Welcome to this Regen podcast, updating you on the latest in smart and renewable energy. This podcast has been made in collaboration with Western Power Distribution, the distribution network operator in the Midlands, South West and Wales. I'm Chloe Uden, a producer at Regen, and in this podcast we will be talking to one of the directors of Brendan Energy. Most community energy groups look for sites in their localities to develop projects that will have the best social and economic impact. And often schools are the most appropriate and receptive places to start a conversation about energy. Before going into the details of this podcast, let's first hear from Western Power Distribution. Yanga, you are an innovation and low carbon networks engineer at Western Power Distribution. Can you tell us a bit more about the work that your organisation does? Sure. As the distribution network operator of the Midlands, South West and Wales, we are responsible for operating and maintaining the electricity distribution network in these areas. So, we are not an electricity supplier, but our responsibility ends just before the customer's meter. Our network consists of around 220,000 kilometres of overhead lines and underground cables and we have the privilege to be delivering electricity to 7.8 million customers. So community energy groups often start by talking to their local schools. What sort of work does Western Power Distribution do with schools? We actually do a lot of exciting work with schools as we recognise how important it is for us as an organisation to educate and advise school children about electrical safety. Through the safety talks that we do at the schools that we visit and the events that we participate, we inform 50,000 school children every year about how to stay safe around electricity. On our Power Discovery Zone website, we also have a lot of information for teachers and games for school children that help explain how electricity works and how to stay safe around it. I'm here in Wivelliscombe speaking to Tony from Brendan Energy, who uh, runs a community energy group that operates in Somerset. Hello. Hi. Um, I was hoping you could tell me a bit about where your community energy group has come from. There was a group of uh, like-minded folk who got together in 2009, it was, in the dim and distant past, um, here in, in Wiverliscombe. Um, a number of people, a number of people who are uh, now good friends of mine, all of whom shared a concern about climate change. And I suppose what we did was we, we looked around us. We looked out into the lovely hills and we thought well, there's a wind resource and we've got biomass, there are lots of trees growing and... Uh, a lot of the time hopefully uh, the sun shines and we thought well you know there's all this um, renewable energy resource to be um, to be harnessed out there you know shall we sit back and wait for for EDF or Eon or or some huge company to come and um, make the most of our um, natural resources or shall we do it ourselves because we knew a little bit about um, I think Danish um, you know villages having done their own renewable energy um, community projects uh, and we thought that sounded like a good idea. 
So we set up a, um, as a limited company set up, which was called the 10 Parishes Transition Initiative, which is pretty snappy. Um, there's a, a sort of a cultural group, which is the 10 Parishes, and there's a business group, which is the 10 Parishes around Wivelliscombe. So we used that. Uh, we needed a limited company to qualify for grant funding uh, back then just to get some initial feasibility work done uh, to see what our best options would be. And, um, and we took it from there. Uh, it took a while. We, we did awareness raising and, and um, sort of community um, awareness stuff, um, tried to get more people involved. And when the, I think it was the summer of 2011, the uh, sort of the findings of the feasibility report were, were presented to a, um, a public meeting uh, to, to sort of decide on what, uh, what technologies we should take forward. Um, we decided to go for um, solar, rooftop solar, because it was the lowest hanging fruit. It was simply the easiest thing to do. You know, wind and hydro were clearly going to involve a lot more uh, risk because you have to, you know, do further studies and, and community consultation and all the rest of it and spend more money. And at the end of the day, you might not actually produce anything. Our business model, I think, was always... Um, you know, if we've raised £100,000, we want as much of that £100,000 to be turned into assets that produce energy, you know, rather than, you know, spend £50,000 of it on reports and, and whatever and, and, and the rest on assets. Um, so rooftop solar it was. We were advised that a, a, an IPS, an industrial and provident society, was the best sort of vehicle to go for. Um, so we set um, up one of those, which we named uh, Brendan Energy. And so it was then that we did our first share offer to see how much money we could raise, see how many people would back us and see you know, how many projects we could do. Actually, at that time, we didn't raise a vast amount of money, but one of our directors lent us a, a big chunk of money so that we could get more done. And so sort of by the autumn of 2011, we had the money in the bank and we were sort of ready to go, at which point the, the government uh, announced that the... The feed-in tariffs were being far too successful and they were going to be savaged. And we had six weeks. Um, this was the happy days when the, ta- the solar tariff was about 40p or 38p for something slightly smaller, um, bigger rather. And suddenly we, um, we had six weeks to get, um, get them on the roof. And, and at that time we needed to get planning permission as well. So we, we had a hell of a job trying to get it all together and, and get a 30 kilowatt system up on the roof of the Children's Centre, which is just down the road, with the help of um, Somerset County Council, who owned the building. Um, and um, early December, just in time for the tariff, um, we got that done. So that was our first project. And we've gone on from there. It sounds like you have achieved a huge amount do you have a kind of sense of what you've achieved so far? Uh, yeah, well, we've, um, as I say, we, we started off with a relatively, well, a local remit. Our first project was in Wibbeliscombe, which is a very small town um, and a relatively limited number of um, investors. Uh, we've now got 126 investors uh, and 13 um, rooftop projects developed, um, although I'm sad to say they're all in Somerset. We've not escaped the geographical boundary, though we're, we're quite close to Devon and we're hoping to, to move into Devon in the near future. All of your projects are rooftop solar so far. Uh, are any of them kind of what you'd refer to as private wire projects or are they all connected to the grid? 
Uh, they're all grid connected uh, so far. We we took quite a strict um, approach, I suppose, um, from from early on, which was. Um, well, uh, Brendan Energy is an industrial and provident society for the benefit of the community. Therefore, we felt all the benefit had to be within the community, um, full stop, really. So, um, you know, we, we were never going to approach um, Sainsbury's to put solar panels on their roof um, so that the cost savings or whatever uh, benefit would accrue to, to Sainsbury's and their shareholders. So it was all local installers using people in the local economy um, and community buildings. So the, the the attraction to them was, well, they wanted to have solar panels on their roof and there's a certain amount of good PR and, and whatever. Uh, in terms of the schools that we've um, put solar panels on, um, it's an educational amenity for them. And um, some of the larger ones, we've done some um, the bigger schools in Taunton and Wellington and as part of the project cost we have paid for a sort of a digital display that goes up in the reception area which shows how much generation you know there is historically how much generation there is today and we've been in there to talk to the kids about the panels use it as an educational um, thing and obviously financially the advantages we've um, all our host buildings they enjoy free electricity uh, from the panels which makes a saving on their electricity bills but we've um, we've got a range of buildings that we've we've put panels on. As I said, the first one was a, a children's centre. We've also we've got community centres, village halls. Um, one of the village halls is up on Exmoor in quite a, a remote area, and so it also hosts a community shop, uh, which is great because they have fridges and freezers and things that run uh, during the day um, off the the solar panels. In Wellington, we've uh, got a couple of sports clubs. So we've got panels on the roof of the the rugby club. The rugby club have a lot of fridges and a lot of beer to keep cold. So they uh, they use a lot of our power, which is great. And next door to them, they have a bowls club, and they've got um, solar panels as well. So we you know we hope obviously they're using as much of the power as possible, um, sort of on site, and um, the surplus is exported to the grid. For people who are thinking about um, generation projects and connecting to the grid, that connecting to the grid can seem quite daunting. What's been your experience of doing that? Well, we were told um, when we had feasibility work done initially, essentially, if you find a building that has a three-phase supply of electricity rather than standard single-phase, um, it's got more... Uh, capacity in it so it can um, it's sort of st- for want of a better expression it's, it's stronger it's more robust um, so it doesn't need reinforcement it doesn't need anything expensive doing to it and you can put lots of panels on it and, and it can cope um, so that's the starting point is to find the right site in the first place um, where you're not going to have any problems and then what is the process the the installer um, has to contact the DNO, the District Network Operator, which in this case is Western Power, to tell them this is what we're proposing to do. These are the um, this is the specification of the panels, and this is how much power it'll be producing, and whatever. And Western Power have to do their maths and work out, you know, if the grid can tolerate it and and how it needs to work. So an application is made to to Western Power, and they they process it. I must say as well, they've also always been very quick with it, which is nice because not all parts of this process are 
a particularly quick. I suppose one of the advantages of, of being in a relatively small area of Somerset is I think we've had the same contact at Western Power for each of our projects. I'm afraid the technical aspects of, of electricity and, and um, how to balance the grid are somewhat beyond me. Uh, but we've, um, we've used a couple of different installers, local installers, as I said, who uh, by and large they've dealt with um, Western Power and done sort of the maths and the, you know, the tricky bits as part of their, uh, their job. But it's always been very smooth. I know there was a time when Western Power were concerned about overcapacity in the grid because there was a lot of, of renewable development going on at the time um, and, and a lot of, um, I, I think, geographically, the, the sort of a conduit through from Cornwall and Devon up through Somerset up towards Bristol. Um, and there was a bit of a log jam, uh, which was an issue to deal with at one point, but um, we got through that and they were they were very helpful. And I think they've reinforced the grid and so the capacity is greater now. And it, yeah, it's always been very straightforward. You just pick up the phone and ask the question and, and you get the answer. So what does the future of community energy look like for Brendan Energy? Well, for Brendan Energy, um, it's interesting, we're now moving specifically to private wire because we are less able to rely on the feed-in tariff than we have been in the past um, because the, the tariffs are much less generous than they were. Okay, so I'm just stepping out of this podcast with Brendan Energy for a moment to come and speak to Jody um, because we've been talking about private wires and I just thought it might be helpful for us to have a little definition of what a private wire is for anyone who doesn't know. Jodie, can you help us? Yeah, of course. So there's lots of different definitions for private wires, but usually it means where you're trying to connect generation to someone who wants to use that energy locally through a wire or a cable. So, for example, you would you might own a solar farm or you might own a wind turbine and you might want to sell that electricity directly to your neighbour using a private wire. and Typically, you would have an agreement with that energy user, so a power purchase agreement, a PPA, and those can be for different lengths of time. Um, but you would be selling that electricity to your neighbour, and ideally you'd want quite, quite a high energy user who you know is going to be there for a long time. So they are the off-taker, they're the person buying your electricity for a long period of time. Um, the benefits of this are that you don't pay any use of systems charges because it's a behind the meter arrangement. Um, it can also be really useful if there's no capacity on the network, so if you can't get a network connection, if the network is constrained in your area. Um, some of the challenges are that it might be quite expensive, so one of the things that's really important to think about is the distance the wire needs to travel um, to get that electricity to where it needs to be used and you do need to make sure that that user is going to be there for a long time. So an example of a private wire with a community energy group is the Nan Stallon project in Cornwall where Wadebridge Community Energy have built a solar farm in the field next door to a sewage treatment works and they're selling that electricity to Southwest Water on a 20-year PPA. So that gives them really long-term security in their revenue streams. Great. Can you point to any regen documents that people might want to look at if they want to know anything more? Yeah, if you have a look at the third edition of our local supply paper, um, that explains everything in more detail um, and gives you kind of different examples of local supply as well as private wires. Okay, thanks Jodie. Back to Brendan Energy. 
So we've changed technology. We've been looking uh, to do hydro project uh, for a long time because hydro has got all sorts of advantages as a technology, as a form of renewables, because um, uh, river flow is, is, is reliable and steady and um, continues through the night, which, uh, for instance, solar doesn't. It's very robust technology, so hopefully it'll last for uh, not 20 or 30 years, but 50 or 60 or 70 um, and, and so on. But the particular project we're looking at, which is on the River X, which is in, it is in Devon, but it's only 15 miles from, from Wivelliscombe here. Um, there is a, a pumping station for water um, from the X, uh, which is used for drinking water by the local water company. And the, the pumping station is immediately adjacent to the river. So uh, they have agreed to take the electricity by private wire, which means that we're getting more money per unit than we would if we exported it to the grid, uh, which makes the, the project financially viable, which otherwise it quite possibly it wouldn't be. So that is something that we've done. We've done a lot of work on over the last year, doing all the paperwork, getting the licensing sorted out from the Environment Agency and from the Planning Authority and making arrangements with the landowners. Um, and now that is all done, we've gone through this process with Ofgem, which is uh, called pre-accreditation. So we've sort of locked in the feed-in tariff level that the project will benefit from, which now gives us a couple of years to actually get around to building the thing. So we're just sort of finalising figures and we'll be doing a share offer um, in the early spring. Um, so hopefully lots of people will want to support that and um, we'll raise the money and we'll get on and build it. And that'll be very exciting for us because it's a, it's a 100 kilowatt system. It's an Archimedean screw, so it's a different, um, well, it's a complete departure for us. It's a, it's a different kind of technology and it's considerably bigger than anything we've done in the past. Um, and if we manage to pull it off, it'll be a, a great achievement. And of course, it'll have a, a big um, a community fund that it'll generate for the... Um, the, the sort of the Tiverton area of Devon, which um, which could do with it. It's a, a rather deprived area, so um, it would be great to be able to make it happen. Your history has been uh, in developing solar projects, and you're adventuring into hydro, which is fantastic. Uh, does it mean that you're not going to be delivering schools projects anymore? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, if the hydro project wasn't 100 kilowatts, I don't think we'd be doing it because. You know, it's obviously so much bigger, it produces a lot more power, which is great. But um, the amount of work it takes to make that happen is relatively much bigger. So um, it's a lot of legwork and, and, and quite a lot of risk uh, for Brendan Energy. Um, this, this, this rooftop solar dealing with schools is, is relatively straightforward and, and clearly we've done lots of them. Um, so... Um, yeah, if we can make the numbers stack up and um, the school want to do it, um, uh, then great. We, we, we'll continue um, with doing that. Although, unfortunately, as, as I've said, now the feed-in tariff is, is that much lower to make the project stack up viably and to make, the, um, to make sure that we actually have a community fund. Uh, we have to charge the schools a price for the power that they use, which would be somewhere between the price we could get for the grid and the, the full uh, market rate that they'd be paying for their power. So there's an advantage to the school to doing it, and um, but it's still viable for us. But they have to be larger projects. They'd need to be at the 30 kilowatt end of things f for it all to work out. Brilliant. Thank you very much.
Yango, what is Western Power Distribution's message to community energy groups? Our message to community energy groups is to come and talk to us early. Conversations are always free and we are happy to help our customers. If a community energy group requires guidance about how to connect their new project to our network, for example, they can access a lot of information on the connections part of our website, including the process that needs to be followed to get a connection, but also network information showing where there is capacity and where there are constraints in the network. Additional to that, on our website, we have a dedicated community energy page that answers a lot of questions that community energy groups usually have. An example is our electricity storage guide for groups that want to connect storage projects to our network. We also have a number of interesting videos that could give new ideas to community energy groups about alternative ways to connect to our network and new business models for their projects. From what we've heard in the last four podcasts, it's a really interesting time to be involved in community energy. Making projects work socially and economically at this particular moment in time is certainly challenging, but it's the challenge that makes this work important. Through this short series of podcasts, we've met three pioneers who make a real difference to the lives of people where they live, each of them working in very different ways to meet the needs of their community. Sometimes all it takes is the right conversation in the right place at the right time to support someone to take a step towards energy well-being. So next time you're at a bus stop, at a school or out and about somewhere, have a think about talking to a stranger about how we can build a better energy future together. Or if you're a community energy group thinking of doing a new project to help your community, don't hesitate to get in touch with your distribution network operator to get more information and advice. As my mate Matt says, if you reach for the stars, you might just get to the pub. So thanks very much for listening. Western Power Distribution is the distribution network operator for the Midlands, South West and Wales, responsible for operating and maintaining the electricity distribution network in those areas. Regen is an independent not-for-profit organisation that uses its expertise to work with industry, communities and the public sector to revolutionise the way we generate, supply and use energy. Regen has a clear goal, accelerating the transition to a decarbonised, decentralised and democratic energy system. Join now. Membership is open to any organisation that supports our mission and we will keep you informed, involved and connected. Please visit www.regensw.co.uk